Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. And uh, there is some breaking news. I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, we're not very good at football. Now, I still believe we will be. We may not be great this year, but I, I still believe in the higher. I still believe in the direction. I know that the evidence of, uh, of future wins is not evident at this point. But we're going to talk about some of that today. But uh, the reality of the fact is, is that, uh, you know, we're one in three. You know, and it's the old adage is no matter how good or bad you feel about yourself, your record says who you are. We're a one in three football team. A lot of people expect us to be one in three. I thought we'd be at worst two and two at this point, but we're one in three. And we went out Saturday and we played like a one in three football team, especially on offense. I thought, again, defensively, we played exceptionally well. But, um, yeah, listen, I'm not going to offer excuses for anybody. I'm also not going to take part in any pity parties because I'm above that sort of thing. But, uh, 
you know, I'll, uh, I'll I'll share what I know and share what we've learned and uh, share my thoughts on it. And then we'll kind of go from there. But one of the things that I've learned is when, when we are losing, you know, there are some people that believe you can't be negative enough. Uh, well, I think those people are negative enough for all of us. And so I just choose not to partake in all that. But I am going to be honest. You know, it is what it is. You know, we, we can't dress it up and make it look any better, or any worse than what it is. We're a one and three football team that is really struggling offensively. Those are the facts of the situation. Now, we can disagree on the reasons behind all of that, but the facts remain we're a one and three football team. And so we're going to break that down today. We're going to look at what went wrong. We're going to look at uh, what's ahead. We're going to look at uh, how things are kind of trending and uh, look at where we're making some progress and where we're not. Going to be very honest and forthright about it all. Before I forget, for those of you that are unaware, the Alabama-Mississippi State game time has now been set for 6 p.m. Central. At 6 p.m. Central, it will be an ESPN broadcast. Uh, so it will be a night game. So for those of you that are making plans to attend or planning uh, stay gates at your home and uh, touchdown parties and that sort of stuff, uh, go ahead and plan for an evening meal. You can enjoy a good day of college football and then watch Mississippi State play uh, that Saturday night. We, of course, are in a bye week this week, so we will not get Mike Leach today. We will get him later in the week. I'm eager to see what he has to say. But, you know, I, th- I thought he said it all on Saturday. And it's one of the things that uh, I am very, very complimentary of Mike Leach about. He's not big on coach speak. He'll tell you, hey, I'm frustrated. We're not doing this well. We're not doing that well. This guy needs to step up. I know some of you are maybe not fans of such candor. I kind of like the fact that we have a coach that just kind of calls it like it is. And if he calls it like it is with us, you know he's doing it with his players. But, um, you know, we have some good leadership on this team. We have the most prolific offensive mind in the game. We just haven't got our players yet. That's one of those things, too, it's awfully interesting to me. We're four games into the Mike Leach era, and uh, some people are making some rational statements. I know that is not, you know, something that is unique to Mississippi State. Mike Leach hadn't even signed a recruiting class yet. People forget he was hired in January. We have not allowed him to really shop for the groceries yet, but we're judging him on the quality of the meal. And so, again, it is what it is. There are some reasons and then some excuses some could subscribe to. But the bottom line is, is that uh, we have hired a coach that is running an offensive system that does not necessarily match the talent that we have, the skill set of many of the players that we have. And so there's going to be some growing pains. And I know many of you say, oh, well, you know, well, Steve, then we should do this and we should do that and we should run a triple option. No, no, no. you are who you are. You do what you're good at. And that's that's part of being a leader is you you stay true to your values. You stay true to what you know to be true. And then you work through it. You, you're not going to get your vision implemented by compromising said vision. You're not going to get out there and get the air raid rolling the way you expect to have it rolling by just saying, you know what? Hey, let's just kind of run the air raid light. Let's kind of dumb it down a little bit. Let's do this and do that. You know, in order to get there, you got to take your lumps right now. And so we're dealing with that. I know it's frustrating. I know you got to get up and go on Sunday morning and uh, you got to go to church and, you know, deal with those smarmy Alabama fans at Sunday school or whatever and deal with those old Miss people that uh, acted like they won the Alabama game, even though they gave up a historic number of yards. But uh, we'll get to some of that a little bit later in the show. But it is. We, we share an emotional investment in Mississippi State Athletics. And when you're not getting the return on that investment, it is very difficult. It is. 
And many of us express that in different ways. There are some people that say, you know what, I'm true maroon no matter what. I'm one of those. I'm a Mississippi State guy till the end. Win, lose, draw, controversy, scandal, good times, bad times. You know I've had a few. Uh, but I'm in. Okay, my, uh, my loyalty and fandom of the Bulldogs is not necessarily predicated on wins and losses. The people that are, those are fair weather fans, and it is incredible how offended they get when you label them as such. But uh, the reality of it is, is right now there's a lot of things to be negative about. There are a lot of things to be concerned about. There are a lot of things to complain about. And I'm not going to begrudge anybody those complaints because the bottom line is, even if you know if we if we were getting beat, you know, sixty three to forty nine or something, and it was entertaining. And you could say, you know what, man, if we can just get a couple stops, we can just get some things figured out, then you could say, you know what, at least we're trending in the right direction. We're beginning to kind of realize Mike's vision for the offense. Uh, but the bottom line is, is you've got some guys here, and, and let, you know, we have woefully discussed wide receiver recruiting for many years, for maybe, maybe a decade. I guess really the last great recruiting class we had at wide receivers was 09, Mullen's first one. You know, we go get our pseudo Clark and Chris Smith and, and Chad Bumpus. And let's be fair, outside of Chad Bumpus, there weren't a lot of people beating down the doors of our pseudo Clark and Chris Smith. And both those guys proved to be great players for us. You know, the last great wide receiver trio we had back in 2015, uh, Deronye Wilson, who was a two-star kid that we held Auburn off for late. And they didn't even really want him. Uh, and then Donald Gray and Fred Ross. And Fred Ross, a guy, of course, we flipped from Oklahoma State. But, you know, Donald Gray was a sign-and-place guy. And so we have not lit the woods on fire wide receiver recruiting, and those chickens are kind of coming home to roost. We're running a very wide receiver-centric offense with a bunch of wide receivers that not many people wanted. People forget, we signed Osiris Mitchell well after National Signing Day. He was a late qualifier, and we have more than got our scholarship money out of him. I mean, some of our fans like to kick him around, which reminds me. Uh, where are all these guys that had all these great sources last week that told you Colin Hill was kicked off the football team that Osiris Mitchell and Malik Heath were suspended? Where are those people today? I'll pause for emphasis sake. Where, where are they today? And so what I would encourage you to do is go back to those people and say, hey, what happened? Oh, well, you know, no, no, no. You, you're wrong. It, it's, it's bottom line, they're wrong. We actually got news about Colin Hill on Sunday and just got it secondhand and weren't able to get it confirmed. And we actually broke the story Saturday morning, even though it was the worst kept secret in all of Starkville that Colin wasn't going to play. But, uh, you know, and, and it's my opinion. It's my show. I can say what I want. But uh, I don't like the way some of our fans have kind of handled this Colin Hill situation. Colin Hill is a Mississippi State Bulldog. Has Colin Hill always had the best of attitudes? No. And that, that, that goes back even when he was at Columbus High School. But Colin Hill is our guy for better, for worse. And he didn't play last week. And, and while I'm thinking about that situation, let me address this too. I, I've seen some of the folks that uh, they're unaware of the facts that have strong opinions. There are some people that are often in error, but never in doubt. And let me, let me correct them when I can. Uh, Kylan wasn't on the sidelines because if you're not on the dress list in the SEC, you can't be on the sidelines. So that's why you haven't seen the juice boys, right? You know, all the red shirts and their, their official issue, Adidas sweatsuits out there jumping around and kind of firing the crowd up. They haven't been there either. Maybe you've missed them. And it's not just Mississippi State. It's league-wide. And I suspect, I haven't done the research on this, but it's probably a national rule too. And so Colin Hill was not banished from the sidelines, like some have tried to suggest. The bottom line is, is that that's the rule. That's the protocol. 
if you are not participating in the game, then you can't be on the sidelines. That is a COVID protocol that was established a long time ago, but we have kind of, we've kind of misconstrued some things to kind of fit our narrative and say, oh, well, look how this happened. No, Colin Hill wasn't singled out. And uh, some of our folks have kind of gone over the top of their criticism to Colin Hill. You know, I, here's my hope. I hope that Colin Hill figures it out. And I hope he and Mike Leach can find a way uh, to win some football games this year and that Colin gets drafted and goes on and makes NFL millions and, uh, and lives a great life. That's my hope for all involved. I don't believe in kind of turning on our own in times of trouble. Maybe I'm wrong, but I know that I'm not. You know, there, it's easy to point fingers and say, well, this guy's a problem, this guy's a problem, this guy's a problem. And sadly, some of the people pointing the fingers are the problem. They're a big part of the problem. And they're pointing fingers at guys that aren't part of the problem and suggesting that they were suspended just because they needed some Internet cred. You know, well, your Internet cred and 50 cents to get you a cup of coffee at the truck stop, if you're lucky. Let's move ahead. Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, man. I, listen, I've got people telling me, Steve, I wouldn't try the jalapeno popper because I'm a, I'm a Bulldog, Bulldog Burger Company veteran. I had not had that. Love it. Uh, and so that is rapidly rising up the charts of the great restaurant-quality burgers there at Bulldog Burger Company. You need to go by and check it out for yourself. And you know what? So you say, Steve, I'm, I'm not a spicy guy or a spicy gal. I don't believe that, but that's maybe what you say. And maybe I don't want something quite that spicy with all those jalapenos in there. That's cool. Go get the restaurant-quality hamburger classic, the Bulldog. Right down the middle, great rock and roll American classic hamburger. But if you want to walk on the wild side like me, I, I suggest you kind of look around the menu. And rather than get what you always get, shake it up a little bit. Shake it up. But you got to have the spring rolls. That's the standard. That, 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 is, that is part of the experience. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Starkville and then on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Great people, great food, great prices. Go check them out. Bulldog Burger Company. The place for people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Well, let's talk about what happened and let's talk about um, what didn't. You know, I, it's funny about football. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big baseball guy, so I'm superstitious. But I don't know if you guys know this. We're undefeated when we win the toss and we're winless when we lose the toss. We lost the toss three straight games. We lost them off. So maybe against Alabama, maybe maybe the Cosmos will smile upon us and we'll win the toss. How about that? Uh doesn't mean anything in the end, but it's still it's still rather interesting. So let's run it down here. A&M wins a toss. They defer. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you another thing, too. Man, Brandon Ruiz is having a great year for Mississippi State. Tucker Day having a big year, too. And so I, I think you got to give Matt Brock a lot of credit. You know, we, we spent last year, I guess really the, the better part of last two years, you know, kind of uh, roasting Joey Jones for some inconsistent – special teams play. But, uh, you know, other than, uh, you know, a muff punt, we hadn't had a lot of issues until Saturday, and we had a block punt there, and that was, again, a lack of execution. But by and large, you know, our kickers are having a good year. Not a lot of touchbacks, and I think Brandon Ruiz is still, uh, what, was he missed one field goal on the year? And that was, from, what, 55 yards, something like that, at Kentucky? So I don't want that to get lost in translation. But listen, if we're having to brag about special teams play, it hadn't been a great year. All right, so we set up shop first, and when uh, we get going, Costello goes for no gain. The very first play of the game, he looked confused. 
It's like he had a predetermined read, and then somebody jumps in the passing lane, he kind of figures it out, and he rushes ahead for no gain. Then we're complete to Austin Williams for six, who has been a very dependable player this year, and complete to Jaquavius Marks, who got the start in place of Colin Hill. Uh, Buddy Johnson all in our face right there, as well as uh, I guess Buddy Johnson made the play there, and uh, Aaron Hansford, which is kind of a consistent theme. They were constantly back there. Tucker Day with a 40-yard punt. Uh, out of bounds at the 29. Not not a great effort, but uh, still we're in pretty good shape there. Kellen incomplete to Chase Lane, and it was it was not it was not close. And that was the thing about Kellen and he is not a great quarterback. And it's one of those things you know they can beat us and then have an average quarterback. Uh, I didn't think Kellen played well. Uh, honestly, I thought Zach Garnett did a good job kind of confusing him, and he threw some balls just kind of out into open ground just to avoid grounding just because there wasn't anything there. And sometimes that's a mark of a good quarterback. Instead of trying to force it in there and turn it over, he just kind of threw it away. So give him some credit for having a little uh, maturity there. And then complete to uh, to Smith for a yard. False start, backs him up again, and then he's incomplete to Smith. And then they punt, fair catch by Williams at a 31. So good start, three and out again from your defense. They're out there ready to play. And – uh currently ranked the number one defense in the SEC. How about that? Who saw that coming? Not me. It's 2020. All right, so we get the ball back. Then we're complete to Malik Heath, who was not suspended for seven yards. Again, let me say that. Malik Heath was not suspended for seven yards. As a matter of fact, had his best game in a Bulldog uniform, all the while by being suspended by those with sources. Uh, Marks runs for four. Thought he showed a really nice burst throughout the ball game. Then we're complete to Marks for 19. And back to Marks again for four. I turned to Mike Nemeth then. I said, we're in plus territory now. It felt weird because you're beginning to think, you know what, this is usually when we find a way to screw it up, and lo and behold, we did. Costello throws it up for grabs. Miles Jones picks it off. Tyrell Shavers had no chance at that. It was just a matter of who was going to pick it off, the corner or the safety. It was an awful decision, uh, you know, and especially when we have momentum there. You know, we've run three offensive plays, picked up two first downs. Everything was positive. And so I don't know why we had to be impatient there. I get trying to make a play, but, uh, you know, just go down there and get a score. Any offensive score early on is big, even if it had been a field goal, just something to get the crowd into it and reward the offense for playing hard. That's on KJ. I, I don't care how else you spin it. You know, we a little bit later we had a, a ton of protection issues. But on that particular drive, that ended because KJ got impatient. Simple as that. All right, A&M gets the ball obviously at the 20, and then they're complete to uh, Watermeyer, who I thought had a good game. We kind of expected that going in. He, he is a matchup problem at tight end. He's not a true tight end, but he's kind of a jumbo act playing tight end. Mine complete to Spiller, and I love Spiller. I really do. And after seeing him in person again, I think he's going to have a really big year, eager to see what he does against some other teams, uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss specifically. <clears throat> Kellen Mond, of course, complete to Spiller for six. Spiller then goes for 11, complete to Smith for 49, they get loose, and it comes back, and it was an obvious hold right at the feet of Kellen Mond, right at the center, basically. I think it was Jaden Crumedy uh, tackled him. So easy, easy, easy call. And, again, it's A&M shooting themselves in the foot with a pre-snap penalty and a holding call rather than Mississippi State, right? Then they go back to Watermeyer for two, complete to Spiller for 13, and it looks like it's going to be you know reasonable. A reasonable down in the distance. Kellen Mond incomplete. Again, Pickering in his grill there forces the early throw. One of the things we talked about is they do a good job protecting the quarterback. you got to get in his face, kind of influence him, put him in a decision-making process. We did a lot of that, and that's one of the reasons we were still in the game as late as we were because of the 
the great pass rush that we had, even though we didn't quite get there. All right, so we set up again at the 20. KJ incomplete to Javante, then complete to Malik Heath for seven yards. He of uh, fake suspension and then complete to Osiris Mitchell for one. Third and three there. And listen, I don't know if, if Osiris just cut the route off too short or we were a little bit impatient, not letting him clear. Uh, but he didn't have a lot of time to throw the football, so we dump it down, try to get something out of it, and we end up having a punt again. So a three and out, uh, day punts at 42. It's down uh, at the uh, A&M 34 after a short return. All right, so A&M set up shop again, and uh, Spiller runs for 26, and then goes for four, then goes for 10, then goes for five, then goes for four. They bring in Smith. He goes for 12, and it just felt like, okay, they're committing to the run here. we got to find a way to fix this. Because I think they had figured it out pretty early that, uh, listen, we were going to get after them pass rush-wise, and they hadn't moved the ball the first couple drives. So let's commit to the run and go see what that state front's about. We didn't handle it especially well. Spiller goes for two. That ends the first quarter. But they were knocking on the door, and you kind of felt like they had momentum at that point. We needed to make some adjustments. And then Spiller goes for three, and it's a touchdown. It's 7 nothing. On that drive, everything comes on the ground. You take the game out of Kelman's hands and you rely on that big offensive line and you've got one of the best backs in the conference in Isaiah Spiller. And so you do what you should have done. You go out there and you run the football and you score. So we needed an answer there. You know, and I really thought here, to give A&M some credit, I thought this is when they really kind of bowed up here and uh, kind of showed they were the better team because there they were, 7 not to the lead. You need to go out there and get a stop. Not only they get a stop, they get a game-changing play. Uh, we're complete to marks for five and incomplete to marks. And every one of these plays, there is some, there is an A&M guy listed basically as a quarterback hurry or providing pressure. And then K.J. sacked for loss of eight. I really thought that was an, an awful play. Uh, in the pre-snap read, A&M shows they're coming. We don't audible out of it. We don't slide protections. We just kind of run it. We don't go hot there. And with them overloading uh, our right side, you got to think something in the slant might break. We, we don't pick it up. We get sacked for eight, and then Tucker Day's punt is blocked, and it's at the one-yard line. We got to trot the defense right back out there and defend the one-yard line, and they score. Isaiah Spiller scores on the first play. It's 14 nothing, and I think everybody in the stadium felt like, you know what, well, we're in trouble. We're, we're in trouble because, again, self-inflicted wounds. We're not protecting the passer. KJ's not seeing the field well. Same song, different verse. That's how, that's how it felt. And I think we all kind of felt the same things. And you're like, 14 nothing. We're just hoping we can kind of keep this thing close. We come right back out there. And I thought we actually put some some decent things together until uh, we got a little anemic again. But uh, we're complete to Jaden Wally for five, who has been outstanding as a true freshman. Really excited about him in the future. Incomplete to Marks. Buddy Johnson on the play. Buddy Johnson's probably an all-SEC guy. K.J. Castillo runs for seven and uh, and gets the first down and uh, dove forward. And it's one of those things, you know, you, hey, that, he got criticized for sliding early on. He sacrifices himself, gets the first down there, kind of got the crowd going. Dylan Johnson goes for three. K.J. sacked for a loss of seven. And, and this one, I don't blame him. I think the offensive line completely built out there. Incomplete to Peyton. And so we got a punt. And this is when the circus came to town. Three penalties on the play, all against A&M. And it nullified a huge return, 47-yard punt. And um, he muffs it, picks it up, and runs it back 30 yards to around midfield. Well, then there is illegal block in the back, which is the first guy down. You can almost call it every time. 
another legal block on a crackback block against Marcus Murphy. And then there is the uh, Leon O'Neill, the, the, the leaping penalty. So all those go against A&M, and we get the ball back because it is a first down due to the 15-yard penalty. We go to Marks for one, and right here we felt like, okay, we're at midfield. we got new life. Let's make it work. We're complete to Mitchell for three, and then K.J. takes another big sack. And, again, this one I don't really fault him. You know, I don't think he has a great feel for the game of football, and I know some people would say, well, Steve, you're being unfair. I think there's enough evidence at this point to know that he feels pressure when it's not there and then doesn't know how to handle it when it is there. And he's our guy, but we're just going to call it as it is. Tucker Day with a 54-yard punt gets into the end zone. And again, we're down 14-0. We need something big to happen. Defense stands tall again. Spiller again goes for for a dozen, uh, then for no gain. There's a false start. Gets them back to a second and 15, incomplete to Smith. Then a delay of the game on mine makes it a third, and, or third and 15, or third and 20, excuse me. And then Spiller goes for one. They're just at that point trying to punt. And so, again, we get it around the 35, decent field position, and do nothing with it again. I mean, again, it's a broken record. Dylan Johnson goes for two. Costello complete to Mitchell for six. Marks runs for four on a possession play. And that's what you want to start seeing with these younger guys. And you saw with Dylan Johnson against Arkansas, you're starting to see it with Marks, too. On third and manageable, they're making plays. So on his third and two, he goes for four, picks it up. And really, those were four hard yards. It wasn't like we blocked it especially well. He got a lot of that on his own. Costello runs for four, gives us a second six. And Marks, again, for eight. Uh, kind of takes care of there, gets you another first down. Again, a possession play, and there's the freshman stepping up. Uh, Costello goes for no gain. It was really a quarterback hurry. Complete to Marks for a loss of three yards. Probably should have thrown that one away. And then they flag Malik Keith for, you know, again, this is when we start to implode a little bit. Then, our, incredibly, we make a beautiful throw to Jaden Wiley, who battles for the final yard and picks up two extra yards and gets over the first down marker. So now it's you know, it's first and 10 at their 26, and you're beginning to think, okay, we're about to make this thing get interesting. That, that's how it felt. You know, it's like, okay, if we're converting those third and longs, kind of reminds you of the LSU stuff, you know, maybe we got a shot here. And again, we convert, you know, what, three third downs on the drive. We feel pretty good about where, we, where we're standing right now. Uh, and so we're rolling. And then we give up a sack for nine yards. We're behind the chains again. We call timeout. And you're just thinking, can we get any score before the half? Anything before the half. Complete the marks for six. And then there's an illegal block in the back penalty on Wally. Uh, live, I thought it was kind of uh, ticky-tack seeing the replay. It was definitely the right call, much as I didn't like it. That made it second and 28. And you're just thinking, okay, wh- when are we going to punt? Then we're incomplete to Heath, but Lil's in his face. Same thing. It's, it's again – Offensive line failures throughout the ballgame, especially in the first half. Marks runs for six. We call timeout and then elect to punt. I don't understand that. If we're, if we're going to punt, just let the clock run out. You know, if uh, that's the thing I think about. I understand if you don't make it at their 38, you give them an opportunity to get a quick field goal. But um, but it is what it is. So we get through the first half. It's 14 nothing, And as bad as we played, you're thinking, okay, we're really just maybe a play away from kind of climbing back into this thing, despite the fact that offense has played so poorly. And again, you go back, the turnover. You know, this is inexplicable, the interception. But then pre-snap penalties, blocking the back penalties, holding penalties. You know, so we, we did some things to hurt ourselves, but that's part of the game of football. And that's why those guys out there in the striped shirts are there to enforce the rules. 
So we get to the third. Really felt like we needed to find a way here uh, to make something happen because if A&M goes out there and scores on the first drive, makes it 21 nothing. I mean, there's no joy in Starkville. Spiller goes for 13. They're already out to the 38, incomplete to Lane, complete to Wattemeyer for 11, out to midfield. Spiller goes for 15, and it just kind of felt like, you know what, we're in, we're in trouble right here. Mon complete to Smith for four, and then Spiller goes for no gain. And then craziness ensued. Pass uh, kind of ricochets off a uh, Bulldog defender, flies backwards, and Emmanuel Forbes gets it, and then stiffs arm, stiff arms Marquis Spencer on his way to the end zone. 60 yards, it's 14-7, and you begin to think, okay, maybe this is the juice we need. Defense has nearly scored in every single game. They finally get one in, and how great is it for Emmanuel Forbes, who is now your starting right cornerback in place of a size verge? You like the length out there with Emerson uh, and Forbes, and uh, you know Forbes is a guy, too. I'll be honest with you, when, when uh, he was first being recruited, I, I thought maybe he's a developmental guy, but here he gets playing as a true freshman and making a big play when the team needs it. So now it's 14-7. At this point, you're thinking, if we can just get anything here, we just hold them, get a stop, get the ball back, we got a chance. But that's not what happened. A&M did what good teams do. They answered. Because clearly they figured some things out at the half. Incomplete to lane, and they go back to lane for 19 yards, and then they run for five, and then it's a touchdown, and they catch lane on the crossing route, and he outran everybody. Uh, 51 yards. And it's 21-7. So then all the juice that you, you created with the defensive play is lost. And that's really that's really been the case. You know, people have really struggled to consistently sustain drives against Mississippi State. A&M did that, and then they hit us with the big play. And I'm telling you, Zach Garnett will tell you, we got to play better than that. And again, it's 21-7. You're thinking, all right, let's – plenty of time left. It's just 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. we still got some time to figure this thing out. We feel like the defense will keep us in it. We go right back out there. We're aggressive. We go to Mitchell on the sidelines to get 10 yards right to 35, and we're rolling. And then we fumble the football. KJ sacks my buddy Johnson, fumbled. They pick it up, run it back to the eight. So now we're going to trot the defense back out there, first and 10 inside our own 10, first and goal inside our 10 for the second time. Of course they score. Uh, we challenge the play, and I, you have to challenge it there. I mean, it's like even if you don't think you're going to pass, because basically this is the game. We lose. Uh, Smith goes for two and then complete to Smith for six for a touchdown. And again, now it's 21 – or excuse me, 28-7. And then we decide that, you know, we're going to make a quarterback change. And a lot of people said, well, why make it now? Well, you know, it is what it is. But I felt like, you know what – and I said this in my game article. It's not personal with KJ. But it's simply not working. The team is not responding to KJ. And, and who would have thought we'd have said that after the LSU game? I mean, at that point, we had people in the national media talking about him being a potential Heisman candidate. And then here we are now begging for a true freshman to get in the ballgame. And when Will came in, he got a huge ovation. Will comes in, immediately throws a strike to Malik Keith. And here's the thing that I thought was really different between Rodgers and Costello. KJ was attacking them laterally and with a short passing game. I thought Will did a better job kind of getting that field, working that intermediate passing game. And we go right to, to Malik Heath for 11. Incomplete to Austin Williams, uh, nearly, nearly picked off. Then we're complete, if I remember that correctly. And then we're complete to Marks for five. And then Will gets sacked for a loss of seven on third and five. Uh, at least he hung on to the football, right? But the sacks, for the most part, there was one time I thought KJ held the football too long and another time he didn't check out. But by and large, 
the offensive line really bailed out on the quarterbacks. Second half, things got a little bit better. You know, we put Cole Smith at left guard and Dollar Bill at right tackle. I thought how we started the game was bad. But we figured some things out, and maybe that carries over. I don't know Dollar Bill's situation today. He ends up getting banged up and, and uh, was carted to the locker room. So AM gets the ball back, and, and Spiller goes for three, then completes a Widemeyer for six, brings up a third and one. Spiller goes for two. That's the easy money right there. Complete to an I Smith for nine, and then they throw it out there again, and we get him for no gain. Mond rushes for one on a quarterback sneak. It was a huge play right there, I thought. Thought we had a chance to get, get off the field there. We didn't. Spiller goes for Spiller goes for two, incomplete, back-to-back to Smith. Aaron Brule with an incredible pass break up there. Man, that that's – you want to look for a silver lining sometimes as you think about some of these young defenders that we got. And so, you know what, we're going to get this offense figured out. Mike Leach is going to get it going. But we've got a young nucleus on defense that I think is going to win some ball games for us this year and next year. Uh, they, they pooch punt it, and we're down at the 11. And again – you know, we got to figure some things out here. The game has gotten away from us. It's 28-7, but let's let's see what Will Rogers can do. He's complete to Payton for four, back to Payton for five. Then we run with Jaquavius Marks. Again, possession play, and there's Marks getting the first down. And complete to Wally. Then we go right back to Wally. Again, true freshman doing a great job. 13 yards and a first down. And so even though we feel like the game is over, I gave our fans a lot of credit for those that stayed. There were some that left, but, but by and large, it's still a pretty decent crowd there. I think people wanted to see what Will Rogers could do. Marks goes for one. We're incomplete to Mitchell. Then we go back 17 yards to Mitchell for a first down. And again, we're attacking at the seams. We're getting vertical there. We're giving these guys a chance to uh, to catch and run in space rather than throwing underneath and just kind of hoping they can break three or four tackles. I thought Will did a really good job with that, had poise and command. Really didn't think that the moment was too big for him. You go back to Dylan Johnson for four, back to Dylan Johnson for no gain. Then we're complete to Austin Williams on third and six for 10. First down. Dylan Johnson goes for two, and then and then it happens. Will Rogers makes an, an absolutely perfect throw to Malik Heath, who then turns upfield and runs through a couple tacklers to the end zone. That ends a seven-quarter scoreless streak for the Bulldog offense. Malik Heath is a stud, okay, and uh, – you know, maybe this will get him going, and that's 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 the first of many touchdowns that I believe, uh, you know, for one Malik Heath. I, I, again, he was supposed to be suspended, according to some with sources, and there he is scoring a touchdown. So here, this is where, you know, the game is over. It's 28-14. There's 11 minutes left when you think, okay, if we can get a stop or a turnover, maybe we can climb back in this thing. But A&M, I thought, did a pretty good job here of managing, even, even though – they didn't get points here. They were able to flip the field on us. They got the third team running back in. They run for 11, then run for four, and then go for no gain, incomplete to Widemeyer on third and six. Sean Preston with a huge play there. And, man, what a pleasant surprise he has been. He was not even really mentioned, you know, in the preseason interviews. And he is among state's most physical defenders, and he knocked that ball out of there. I and mean, he absolutely laid the lumber there. Ball drops loose. They're punting, and it's down at our six. So, again – Rodgers goes back out. We're complete to Marks for four. Then there's a pre-snap penalty on Greg Island. Backs us up five. Greg had a rough day. Really did. Uh, complete to Austin Williams for 16 on second 11. And that's a good for a Bulldog first down. Complete to Malik Heath for no gain. Probably should have thrown that one away. But sometimes you got to let a guy make a play. Complete to Marks for a loss of four. And then we're complete to Mitchell for three. Both of those, I think, just check downs just to kind of avoid a negative play. That's the attempt anyway. And then we punt. 
uh, and and the game is over now. I mean, let, let's just be honest. I mean, it was we knew they were going to salt the clock, the clock away. Smith goes for no gain. Smith goes for fourteen and for eight. Three, three, three. Timeout stay with one twenty-four to go. Smith goes for eight, and then for one, and then the clock is exhausted. And that's your ball game, twenty-eight fourteen. So what do we think? Well, I think it's pretty obvious at this point that we need to make a quarterback change. And uh, a lot of people say, well, Steve, it's a couple weeks too late. And so the question becomes, okay, Steve, do you really want to start a true freshman on the road at Alabama? No, I, I don't. But I think the situation kind of dictates that to be the case. we got two weeks of practice. You have to buy a week this week. You can scheme some things up, work on some protection. And uh, listen, I don't give State much of a chance to win that ball game. I don't think anybody does. After what they did to Georgia. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The weekend, I, I think it's safe to say that Alabama's back in a big way. You know, they had some bumps in the road last year, but uh, probably only one elite team in the SEC, and it's them. But here's the deal. is the second half of the season, 
you got some winnable games. So I think you you got to go play now and kind of get Roger some reps to get him prepared for the home stretch. Now, we're going to be a winning team this year? No, unless something crazy happens. And that's going to be disappointing. We were hoping to get 5-5, five and five, and then we drop a couple winnable games early on. And, uh, you know, and, and then so here we are. And we're facing a 1-4 and four start. But there are some winnable games in the second half of the slate. Not Georgia. But as bad as Auburn's played on offense, anything could happen. You got Mizzou, Vandy, and Ole Miss. You know, those are winnable games. Not saying that State's going to win them. Not even saying State will be favored in most of those games. But that's not Alabama, LSU, or Georgia. Not from a talent standpoint. So I think you have to make the call if you're Mike. I think Mike knows this. I mean, Mike doesn't need me to tell him how to run a football team. Me, you, anybody else. Paying that guy $5 million to go win some ball games, and he'll figure it out. And that's the thing, too, that I keep going back to. And maybe I'm beating myself in the head with a baseball bat here. But Michael figured the offense out. This is a guy that, listen, took a bunch of cast-offs at Texas Tech and Washington State, beat some of the best teams in the country. Now, here's the deal, and this is a sobering reality, I think, for many people. As I mentioned earlier in the show, some of our recruiting misses are kind of coming home to roost right now. We are not especially talented on offense. Colin Hill, arguably our most talented player. And then, uh, you know, we're not really utilizing his skill set in, in, this, in this offense. It is what it is. I can't make it any better or worse than it is, but we are not especially talented on offense. You know, we thought with KJ coming in paired with Colin Hill that, uh, you know, hey, we had some building blocks there. We felt the offensive line would be a strength, but the offensive line is really struggling with the offensive splits. And I don't, I don't know that you change it. You know, maybe you modify it a little bit and go from three-yard splits, two and a half maybe. But the problem with that is, is we're getting beat off the edge. That That's the bigger issue. So if you shorten the splits, you're going to shorten the path of the quarterback. And no matter what splits you use, you can't make a guy quicker than he is. You go out and you go out and re- recruit these guys to be road graders, and now we're asking to be pass pro, you know, 95% of the time, there's an adjustment. That's the reality of things. But we are not especially talented. We have a young nucleus of guys that I think will be really good football players by the time they leave Mississippi State. But we don't have elite receivers. And that's not to say that they're not giving a good effort. I mean, we've had some drops, but, I, you know, I thought the guys played hard on Saturday. You're beginning to see some flashes from Malik Heath. We know what Javante Payton can do, but so does the rest of the league. And so, you know, he doesn't have the middle of the field to create like he did against LSU because of the fact, you know, that they're still dropping all those guys in zone. And it's so easy. You know, people are like, oh, well, we should do this, we should do that. Listen, I don't know if you noticed, what, what did Ole Miss run for Saturday? 240 yards and lost. People are like, oh, well, you got to run the football in this league. You can't just be pass happy all the time. Ole Miss ran for 240 and lost by two scores. And you can say, well, you know, Steve, if they hadn't thrown all those interceptions, well, that's part of the game too. You get on the play caller. I mean, some of you were ready to, to, to hand Lane Kiffin the Heisman a couple weeks ago, and now all of a sudden we're going to make excuses for him. But I believe in staying the course. You didn't go hire Mike Leach, one of the most prolific minds that's offensive, that offensive football has ever seen. And then say, well, you know, coach, we want you to do it our way. No, you go hire that guy to do it his way. Will there be some growing pains? Absolutely. We're in the middle of that. But we don't, we're not going to conduct a Twitter poll and say, okay, well, who should play quarterback? Or what should we call in this play here? Should we run it more time? Should we do have more design runs? You know, you hired the guy to do a job. You got to let him do it. He hadn't even had a recruiting class. He hasn't even signed a recruiting class. 
and people are ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And again, I know maybe perhaps that they haven't lived up to expectations offensively this year because certainly I expected us to score more than we have. I mean, goodness, you go back and think, you know, we score 14 points against Arkansas, zero against Kentucky, and then we get one offensive touchdown. So we've had three offensive touchdowns in our last three SEC games. Mike Leach has to fix that. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. All the message board commentary in the world won't change that. It is what it is. And perhaps Will Rogers taking over at quarterback, you know, perhaps we can get this thing going a little bit. And that's the thing I said in the Saturday recap. If we're just average on offense down the stretch, we're going to win some football games. Because defensively, we're one of the better teams in the country. We're the top defense in the SEC, thanks to what after what Alabama did to Georgia. We're the top defense in the SEC. Nobody saw that coming. And so I'm not going to sit here and say and try to glass over this and say, well, be happy with the defense. Yeah, we should be proud of the defense, but the defense is also one and three. Could the defense have played better on Saturday? Yeah. Matter of fact, I thought they actually played better against Kentucky in Arkansas than they did on Saturday. We got hit with a couple of big plays. But at the end of the day, they start two drives inside their own 10. That, that's asking too much. So you had one sustained drive on the ground, and then you had the one big play. But by and large, defense played winning football again. But Zach Arnett will tell you, you win and lose as a team. Defense can't win if offense doesn't score. And the defense did their part and try to help out a little bit. But, uh, you know, listen, we need to take the bye week and get healthy, get Will Rogers ready to go. And, listen, I hate it for KJ. I do. But nobody's bigger than the program. You know, and you know, we can't sacrifice the season uh, to help KJ get a few plays on an NFL tape. And to be fair, he hadn't done a whole lot since the LSU game to make you think that he's a pro prospect. I mean, he is, but he hadn't played that way. All right, time for the top 10 list brought to you by the fine folks at my bookie. I know many of you like to have a little skin in the game, and uh, my bookie is uh, certainly happy to help you with that. Between the NFL, college football, MLB playoffs, now we're in the World Series, right? There's no shortage of games to watch, and with thousands of lines available on your favorite sports and events, you can turn your game day into payday with my bookie. If you're the type of guy who likes to back the big favorites, and consider putting a couple in a parlay for more of a bigger payout. Not only do parlays make meaningless games more exciting, but more importantly, they give you a chance to turn ordinary bets into real moneymakers. Don't forget the underdogs, which is us. They got a ton of value. The thing about the NFL is underdogs are never really dogs on Sunday because the disparity in talent just really doesn't exist in the NFL. You got pros out there. Every team has a chance to win every single week. Game spreads, unless you're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're certain to lose. Game spreads, championship futures, and player prop bets. It's never too late to get in on the action and start, your sport, start turning your sports knowledge into cold, hard cash. Sign up at my bookie, and when you do, use our promo code BONEYARD to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. That's promo code BONEYARD to claim that bonus when you make your initial deposit. Stacked UFC cards, presidential prop bets, and all the major sports and more. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie. So there we go with that. It's top 10 list. So we did Soundgarden on Friday. So we're going to do Audio Slave today. And uh, I had a bunch of people come by book signings over the weekend and say, hey, Steve, you never use my top 10 list. Uh, I hate you. No, they didn't say that. I said, and I explained to a couple of them. I said, hey, I'm, you know, there are some fans out there. Uh, my good friend, Sam Crickmore. Big Bruce Springsteen guy, and he goes, hey, I, I sent the top 10 list. I said, you know, I don't know that I can do that list justice, and I don't want to draw the ire 
of hardcore Springsteen fans because there are a lot of, listen, Bruce is one of those guys, either you love him or hate him, but those that love him really, really love him. And uh, they'll get next to you about that. And so I might give that another look, you know, maybe Born to Run's number one. I don't know. We'll see. But Sam, thanks so much for the suggestion. And many other people have, uh, some people, like, some guy asked me to do Dinosaur Jr. And I thought to myself, I didn't even know they had a, more than one song. But, uh, and I, I, I just was never really big into that, you know, outside of the Violet Femmes, I didn't really care much for the old uh, college uh, hipster music stuff. Just not me. You know, there, there's a reason why those bands are underground. There's a reason why those bands didn't sell millions of records. It's because they weren't as good. Simple as that. It wasn't because they didn't have airplay. That's, that's the whole thing. It wasn't because they didn't get put on the radio, because they got put on college radio a bunch, and occasionally on 120 minutes of MTV. They didn't sell a bunch of records because they weren't very good. All right, so Audio Slave. I didn't do any honorable mentions because I want to move this along. I knew it was going to be a long show, but... Um, all right, so here we go. Audio Slave, my top 10 Audio Slave songs. And for those of you that, that don't know this, Audio Slave is Rage Against the Machine with Chris Cornell as the singer. When Zach Delaroca left the band, the musicians from Audio Slave put together this super group and uh, they turned out with three great albums. So here are my top 10. Number 10, this was a huge hit for them, but uh, it was a little silly for me. I like it a lot, but not as much as some of the other songs on the list. That doesn't remind me. And I really especially like the way that Chris Cornell says Cameron Diaz uh, in the song. And shout out to you, Cameron Diaz. Uh, number nine, The Original Fire. I think this was kind of an undervalued track. On uh, It's a bit of a B-side. I think they released it as a late single. Didn't get the airplay, perhaps, that it deserved, but... Uh, you know, that was kind of the end of the, the album cycle there. Number eight, a huge song for them is Be Yourself, because it's all you can do. It's one thing to love about Chris Cornell is he write, wrote such poignant lyrics of empowerment. This is one of them. Number seven, Set It Off. And uh, I don't know if this was ever released on the radio, but uh, Set It Off is one of those, it just feels like a machine gun. I mean, you, as, soon as, as soon as it starts, Tom Morello, and it's just rocking right out of the gate. Number six, Another undervalued song that was played at times on alternative radio, that's Gasoline. Uh, love the opening riff. Love Chris's vocals on this. And then we get in the top five. And to me, these are uncompromising to me. To me, this is the top five. And I have thought about this long and hard for many weeks. These are without a doubt, in my mind, the top five Audio Slave songs. Number five, Revelations. Off the final Audio Slave album, the title track. Love Chris's vocals on it. I love the rhythm. It's almost like a dance song, almost. Number four, Cochise. Uh, love how it starts. Love how it ends. And love all the things in the middle. Cochise was a huge, I believe that was the first single off the first Audio Slave album. It was Cochise. And I didn't believe what I was hearing, to hear Chris Cornell singing over Tom Morello's riffs. I mean, it's just one of those things you just think to yourself, how's this going to work? And then you hear it for the first time, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. Number three, one of the best videos of, of the decade, Show Me How to Live. You can call that up on YouTube today and check it out. You gave me life, now show me how to live. Chris's vocals, some of the best vocals I think that he did in his career were with Audio Slave. I thought Tom Morello and those guys really brought out the best in him. Now, I love Soundgarden, but a lot of the Soundgarden stuff is really deep and really dark. And I thought the Audio Slave brand gave Chris a chance to kind of expand the power a little bit. 
Number two, and I know many of you will have this as your number one audio slave song. And uh, I love the fact that even now when Prophets of Rage gets together, they still play this song live and they just have an empty microphone stand up there and the crowd sings this. And you can find many YouTube videos, but it's like a stone. Uh, one of those songs, too, that um, you know, there's so many lyrics in that that really speak to me. And, and when uh, when Chris died, that was one of the things that people mentioned. There were a lot, of, a lot of memes created almost immediately when news of Chris's death made the rounds. And, and these lyrics from Like a Stone were included in that. And it says, On my deathbed I will pray to the gods and the angels like a pagan to anyone who will take me to heaven. To a place I recall, I was there so long ago. The sky was bruised, the wine was bled, and there you led me on. Uh I get chills even seeing that. It's um, it's one of those deals where, uh, you know, I, I told you guys what Chris Cornell means to me, but uh, to me, those kind of lyrics are Chris at his best. But number one for me, and it's a hard number one. I mean, it really is. It's number one with a bullet for me, and it's I'm the Highway. I think I Am the Highway is one of those songs. You know, it's, it's about – we talked about this song on the show before, but it's one of those deals where uh, it's about, you know, basically about a relationship and uh, where – one person kind of undervalues the other person's contributions. And, uh, yeah, I, I share this regularly because it is so poignant. But, um, you know, Chris is just one of those people, was one of those people, and I hate to say it that way, that knew how to articulate his pain. But the lyrics on this one, the, the, the chorus, I am not your rolling wheels. I am the highway. I am not your carpet ride. I am the sky. I am not your blowing wind. I am the lightning. I am not your autumn moon, I am the night. And it's basically, you, you, you think that I am something small when I am something so much grander. And um, I miss Chris Cornell. I think about him regularly. And a little, little known fact, I don't know if I've shared this with you guys before, but in the acknowledgments of all three of my books, I've written, May God Bless the Family of Chris Cornell, because that, that's how personal it is with me, because he was such a giant to me. And his uh, lyrics and music always ministered uh, to me. So there you go. Enjoy some Audio Slave today. Our friend Roy will have, uh, Roy Samante has volunteered to put these playlists together for you guys. Uh, for those of you that maybe don't want to go to the trouble of looking for it. And so I'll, I'll, I'll share that on social. And um, as we get them, he'll put it together and then I'll share it. And so when you get done listening to the Boneyard, you can flip over there and grab that playlist and listen to that and say, you know what? Hey, Steve, I disagree. But I think that you're going to enjoy these. And uh, I thank Roy for putting those together for us. All right. Let's talk about our friends at Manscaped. They're back with us. And listen, here's the deal, guys. You know, the days of, uh, of being ungroomed are over. OK, and uh, nobody wants that your significant others, your intimate partners, that they want you to be well-groomed. As simple as that. Autumn's in the air. Manscaped is here to make sure you don't carve your own pumpkins when you're grooming. You know exactly what I mean by that. Manscaped is on a mission to change the way that you approach caring for your most intimate areas. And great news, they just released their products in UK, Canada, and Australia. Now, listen, let's not forget, these guys have incredible technology it's the best trimmer for all your intimate areas. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology. It helps reduce grooming accidents. You don't want to be applying any alcohol down there anyway. The new Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Trimmer uses the same skin-safe technology when you're trimming those delicate nose hairs of yours. And the older we get, the more that's a problem, right, guys? 
The crop care kit includes the crop preserver, which gives you some masculine deodorant to use in your more intimate areas. And everybody knows that pumpkin spice lattes, that brand of deodorant, go hand in hand, right? Crop cleanser body wash, a full body wash that you can use also on your hair. And the crop mop gives you a chance to kind of wipe up down there, maybe when you don't have a chance to shower. You know when an opportunity strikes, you'd always be prepared. Plus, you don't want to stink when you sit around for Thanksgiving dinner. If you suffer from stank foot or stand on your feet all day, then we've got a product for you. It's called the Foot Duster. Foot deodorant, free gift for you. The cooling tree tea oil, tea tree oil offers a pleasant experience for the, the, the nastiest of feet and always allows you to take your shoes off in confidence. Everybody's been there before. Manscaper Fine Cologne is a cost-effective way to smell clean and fresh for your date. The Crop Cleanser Hair and Body Wash were designed with aloe vera and sea salt to leave your skin fresh, moisturized, and reinvigorated. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code BONEYARD. That's it. You go it. You know it. Get 20% off, free shipping at Manscaped, promo code BONEYARD. Make your male grooming a priority this fall. All right, so let's move ahead here. Let's look around the league here. Uh, kind of give a quick recap. You kind of know what happened. But let me offer a little insight there. I'll be honest with you. I was kicking myself when I saw how South Carolina jumped on uh, Auburn right there before the half. It's like Auburn got up 9 nothing. and I was thinking, okay, here we go. But Carolina came roaring back, and it just seemed like that Bobo and them figured out some things. And I thought South Carolina did a great job on Seth Williams and uh, one of the best receivers in the country. They come out in the second half, and it just seemed like Auburn was the lesser of the two. And uh, South Carolina now 2-2. Two and two. A lot of people wondered if South Carolina would win a game. I was a little more bullish on them than many, but they're they're ahead of expectations, and I give Mike Bobo a lot, a lot of credit for that. The big surprise to me over the weekend was Kentucky. Two pick sixes. You know, maybe, 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 maybe this Kentucky secondary is better than we thought. Now, we helped them a lot because we threw some inexplicable interceptions, but they did the same thing in Tennessee and actually beat them worse, 34 to 7. Really impressed with what Stoops has done. And, I, and you guys know I'm not big on Kentucky. They are extremely limited on offense. But they're turning defense into offense. And uh, you know, they're, they're allowing Terry Wilson to kind of do what he does. And so, again, Kentucky fans enjoy it. Had a chance to meet a Kentucky fan at a book signing over the weekend. Boneyard listener uh, brought his lovely wife in. And she's a bluegrass grad. But she also roots for the Bulldogs. Except during basketball season. Right. All right, so uh, Arkansas beats Ole Miss. I was not surprised by this. And uh, Ole Miss is going to kind of get the the Mike Leach treatment now. Barry Odom, I don't think, will be at Arkansas for long. Uh, you know, we'd look at the problems Alabama's having. You know, if I'm Nick Saban, I may go, go ahead and make that happen. But, uh, you know, maybe for Auburn. But um, Ole Miss shut out in the first half. It's a 20 nothing ball game. It should have been worse. It absolutely should have been worse. Ole Miss comes back, tries to make a game of it, gets within a possession, and then uh, Matt Corral throws more interceptions than any Ole Miss quarterback in an SEC game in history. Six. And again, it's the again you go back to this whole thing. Well, we got to run the football. You know, Ole Miss ran the football with some success, but bad quarterback play did them in. You can't be one dimensional in this league with running the football only. Those days are over. About to stack the box. You got to be able to be balanced. And uh, 
I know some people are saying, well, Steve, you're saying we should be balanced, but we're not running the football. It's a little different deal when you can spread people out four and five wides and chunk it, pitch it, and catch it. That's what we're going to do eventually. But I get it. I hear you. And then I really expected Georgia, with all of the distractions in Tuscaloosa, I thought Georgia would find a way to win because I think from a talent standpoint, Georgia's on par with Alabama. And when Alabama connected on that 52-yard field goal just before the half, it kind of felt like that the air was coming out of the Georgia Bulldog balloon. Remember, it was 20, it was 24, but 24-17. They make that field goal, and then Alabama comes out and shuts Georgia out in the second half and puts up 21. And uh, Devontae Smith and uh, Waddler are just legit. And uh, I'm curious to see what we do to defense them. Najee Harris, I don't know that he has lived up to the hype that he had as a recruit, and I don't know that I don't know that he could have. I don't know that it was fair, uh, but but he has had a really big career at Alabama, and he's really kind of coming into his own. So we'll see how things kind of progress with him. Uh, but yeah, that, that's uh, that's what happened, and uh, <clears throat> I think I went one and four last week because I went with Auburn because I thought Auburn's talent would would get him, and then Kentucky completely smashed us, and I got Arkansas correct. Missed on my homer pick, picking state, and then uh, I missed on my upset with Alabama taking down Georgia. So, again, I agree with a lot of people. I think there's one elite team in the SEC, and I think that's Alabama. And I think uh, at this point, you know, the East is up for grabs. But, uh, you know, Dan Mullen and uh, LSU didn't play over the weekend, and that's probably better for uh, probably better for LSU because Miles Brennan wasn't expected to play. But it, that will now be a huge game late. And big game Dan – you know it before I even say it. You know, they've got some issues there. Okay, Campus Bookmart, listen, they're ready to outfit you and your family. You, you need to go by and check those guys out. If you hadn't done so, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. Stand to man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. They'll take care of you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. All of you deserve some new maroon merchandise. And listen, I know maybe you don't want to rep the brand these days, but you should. You should always wear it loud and proud. We are the cool school in this state. We're going to turn this thing around. It's like I saw some people say, well, I'm glad I hadn't bought any Mike Leach uh, merchandise yet. Well, you should because he's going to be here. He's going to be here. This year's basically a mulligan. Next year's essentially year one. He's going to be here at least three to four years. So you might as well get comfortable with that. Go ahead and get swing your sword and go ahead and get your power flag and, and fly it with pride. I love the folks at Campus Bookmark. You will too. And by, give, by being a boneyard, boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, save you a little shipping there. When you go to campusbookmart.net, use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's talk Colin Hill a little bit. Okay, I talked about it a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, so there was an incident. And uh, it's a locker room incident. And then, listen, people want to protect the sanctity of the locker room, and I certainly appreciate that. You know, as a former coach and player, I you know, didn't play on a college level, but that's uh, one of those things I tell people. You know, guys have got to be able to have some freedom to be themselves in the locker room and that know that things aren't going to get out. But some things did get out. And so Mike Leach spoke in post game and said he wasn't available, and his availability is still somewhat in question. I'm told it's a week-to-week deal. And, uh, you know, at some point, I guess if things if they can't reach some type of resolution, he can always opt out and prepare for the draft. Uh, and listen, I don't know what's best for Kylan Hill, but based on what I know uh, about the draft, he needs to put some things on film this year 
And I don't. And the last thing he needs is you know word to get out that he's a malcontent and it could potentially be you know cancer in a locker room somewhere. That 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 could cost him some money. So Colin, I think, needs to kind of redeem himself, get back on the field, be a good teammate, and then put some big plays on film. You know, the, the way we utilized him against LSU, if we can replicate that down the stretch. I think that makes him some money and wins us some football games. So we're kind of in this deal together. And listen, I want what's best for Kylan Hill, but ultimately I want what's best for Mississippi State. But this is one of those deals that he hadn't been kicked off. And I know that people say, well, no, well, things changed. Okay, listen, the bottom line is this. is on Sunday of last week, uh, yeah, they, they met and they talked, and uh, the talk was it was going to be a one-game suspension. He was not in – the football complex the entire week. He did not attend practice. He was officially suspended. This is a bye week, so it's a chance for him to kind of reintroduce himself. I don't know if he's back in the complex yet or not. I don't know. But I know that Mike Leach, Colin Hill, and his family will figure out what's best for all involved. I didn't think we lost much. Over the weekend, I, I, I didn't think the running backs played poorly. I thought Dylan Johnson and Jaquavius Marks both did some good things. And so if we have to go it with just those two, that would be unfortunate because I do think Colin Hill is a game changer. But it's not like it's a huge drop-off between, you know, from a talent standpoint, I think Marks runs the ball hard. I think Dylan Johnson's a really hard-edged player. I think the future is bright. But I would feel a whole lot more comfortable down the stretch of beating Vanderbilt, Missouri, Ole Miss, and competing with Auburn with a very happy and motivated Colin Hill in the lineup. I think most people feel that way. There are some people out there that are just like, oh, well, if he's unhappy, let him go. And you know, that, that may prove to be the case long term. But Colin Hill's a bulldog. And uh, you know, we talk all the time about family. And sometimes you're at odds with your family. I mean, that's, that's the reality of life. Whether it be your real family, your chosen family, or your adoptive family, at some point, we all get get at odds. And so, you know, my hope is that we get this thing figured out. But, um, you know, listen, we're never going to all agree on this. But the bottom line is we all want what's best for Mississippi State. And I believe all Mississippi State fans want what's best for our players while they're here and when they're gone. We want them to go up and make a living and do some great things for their family. And so, uh, again, I kind of hate that some of the commentary has been so negative about Kylan because, they, listen, he's the guy that gets a little elevated emotionally. He's still a very talented guy, and I believe in his heart he's a good kid. He's a, I hate to call him a kid, but he's a good person. I just think sometimes he doesn't know how to kind of handle his frustration. It spills over a little bit. And uh, that's not to say that he didn't handle himself appropriately because I don't believe that he did. Based on what I've heard about the incident, he, he, he really went over the top with it. And uh, there's some amends that have to be made. And listen, there's going to be some people within the locker room that, that might keep him at arm's length. And so that's what Mike Leach kind of has to figure out. You know, do you get enough juice for the squeeze by bringing him back? Do you get enough benefit – uh, you know, this cost-benefit analysis by bringing him back. You know, and, and it all it all kind of starts with Colin. You know, if, if he comes in and, you know, he's forthright and says, hey, listen, guys, I made a big mistake and let's kind of move forward from this. I'm all about the team. And I really feel like his behavior on social media has, has been encouraging. But, you know, what happens the next time that he gets frustrated or he doesn't get on a football or, you know, we, we have a tough night offensively? How does he handle that? And it's in his best interest and Mississippi State's best interest for him to see this as a growing opportunity and become a better player in person. And so my hope is that's what happens. I know many of you, too, uh, you have a second home here. You have a primary residence here. You're thinking about moving to Starkville. Let me tell you, while you're beginning to make those plans, 
Think about our friends at Portico. It's a brand new residential development right here. It's so easy to get to. Okay, so it's right off Garrard Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Chrysler Jeep dealership. It's 1.1 miles from campus. You can almost take your golf cart over there. You can almost walk. Easy access to 82 and to 25. It's going to be a big complex, but here's the deal. They're going to build it in phases, 51 houses total in the development with 18 in the first phase. And they're pretty much complete with those, almost done with the first 18. Then it'll be 33 in the second phase. And that'll take a few months to kind of get construction going on that. If you're looking for a big house, you're looking for a smaller house, you can do both. Their houses are range from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet. And so you can get a two-bedroom, two-bath, and up to four-bedroom, four-baths. If you've got a growing family or perhaps you just want an investment property here, that uh, that's your game day getaway, they can take care of you and several of your friends. Portico is going to be a great place, also going to include a walking trail and a pavilion area. And here's the deal. I like doing business with Bulldogs, and you will too. One of the people involved in this, one of the developers in this project, is uh, former Diamond Dog great Brooks Bryan. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Brooks robbed a home run for us to beat Washington. And if you don't believe me, you can, you can ask him because he's more than happy to talk about that. Uh, Brooks Bryan, great friend, great guy, will do a good job for you. And listen, there's not many guys that are truer maroon than Brooks Bryan. And uh, again, I, I feel very comfortable doing business with Mississippi State people, not just from not just from a safety and security standpoint, but we're just good folks. You can get a hold of Brooks for more details at 601-416-8075. Again, that's Brooks Bryan with uh, the new Portico residential compound here. How about that? Go check it out. Okay, so listen, I'm going to tell you guys, too, I will be in Matheson today from 4 to 6 at Dab's Pharmacy. So if you're looking to come by and get signed copies of any of the three books, I'll be there. It's been so much fun getting out and seeing you guys, too. And this Thursday, I'll be at Cleveland at Premier Sports. And uh, that's 3 to 6, and uh, I'll put that on Wednesday. But uh, it's been so great. To get out, and I've met so many people, and it's crazy. One of our uh, Bulldog staffers got a chance to meet her mom uh, this past weekend and uh, come to find out that her grandfather is mentioned in the book. I've had a lot of people contact me and say, I need to get your book because my husband's name is in the book or my uncle or my dad or whatever. And it reminds me, too, that it is a family. I mean, it, it truly is a family. And there are times that when we have difficulties in the family that sometimes we forget that. You know, Sometimes we get a little bent out, bent out of shape with each other. But it doesn't mean we don't all want the same things. And so I remind you when you read social media commentary and that sort of stuff and you see people that you love and say, oh, I'm just going to follow this person and my friend them because we don't agree on this particular issue. These things will pass. That's one thing they tell us in, in recovery is this too shall pass. And so I share that with you when I think about this Mike Leach stuff. OK, Mike is a great coach. He did not forget how to coach football when he got here. He didn't. It's about finding the right mix, finding the right players. And, uh, you know, we just got to keep battling. We got to figure it out. And that's one of the things that I know about our players, our culture, and our coaching staff is that we're not going to give up on the season. We're going to find a way to go win some football games. We're going to find a way to go beat Ole Miss. And so hang in there. It's easy to get sideways with each other. But it doesn't really help our, our collective cause. And so I just encourage you to take a deep breath before you respond. And, and some, some again, I, I suggested this last year, and I've been remiss from mentioning it again this year. Some folks need to kind of invoke a 24-hour rule when it comes to social media. I observed one yesterday, for the most part. 
you know, I retweeted some of our articles, but uh, I just didn't want to get baited into one of those discussions that don't lead anywhere. And I'm okay with discussing the issues and everybody kind of have a rational discussion about, hey, this is a problem. What do we do about this? But at the end of the day, you know, Mike Leach didn't call on Steve Robertson and said, hey, Steve, listen, could you reach out to some people and just say, what would they do about pass pro? Would, would, they, would they keep Island at left guard or put him at right tackle? Is Cole Smith the best center? Is it James Jackson? You know, these guys are working through practice every single day, and they see the players. Nobody wants to lose. And that's one thing I hear from so many former players that talk about, you know, their investment in Mississippi State sports. You know, there's not a player out there that is going out there and thinking, ah, it's no big deal. We'll just go to demotions. The reason these guys are SEC players to begin with is because they have a competitive spirit. People go into coaching because they enjoy competition. People continue to work hard to compete at a high level because they enjoy competition. So as bad as it feels for us, you know, the sting of the loss is greater to them. And I think it's important to kind of remember that. You know, if you don't win enough, they'll fire you. You don't produce enough, coach will put you on the bench. You know, if we want to, we can turn the TV off and go to bed. And so I say that just to kind of remind us we're in this thing together. And I know, again, I've kind of rambled on some here today, but uh, the bottom line is, is that uh, I do believe Mike Leach is going to get this thing figured out. I do think we're going to win some games this year, and I think we're going to be better for it next year. And I think step one in that process is installing Will Rogers as your starting quarterback. That's going to do it for today. We'll see you guys on Wednesday. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.